They say the NBA season really starts after Christmas and the HBCU season starts in January. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives and it's basketball season like i said in the opening the hbcu seasons start in january and i say that because that's when we really start to get into conference play for our uh d1 mid-major hbcu school so we're going to look at not only the swag but then also the MEAC, the SEAC, and the ciaa and then also our teams who aren't in an hbcu conference and break down and preview the rest of their basketball season so let's get after it and i have a bold proclamation grambling is the class of hbcu basketball right now at this very moment 100% the swag, like that's not even a doubt. But as of right now, Grambling is the class of HBCU basketball. And I'm only talking about the D1 mid-major, right? So let me just add that little caveat. And even with that, some people still going to scrunch their face and say, Grambling? Grambling. That, we talking about in Louisiana, Grambling is the class of, yeah. Yeah. And I say it with confidence because it's not as if it's a a take that's put in cement it's not as if okay grambling will forever be the t the class but right now at the top of the year before we get into conference play grambling is the class of hbcu basketball and people might point to me and tell me tennessee state and norfolk state they're nine and five they have better records than grambling and i'm aware of that grambling is seven and five still a good record but not better than nine and five and i respect your opinion but here's the thing not every victory is held the same or holds the same amount of weight when having conversation when it comes to actual record i'm not dumb doesn't matter how good your your win was or how bad your loss was it's still just one in one but we're having conversation i'm a conversationalist i don't i don't actually dictate who's going to be what seating and you don't either well maybe you do i hope if you if you do shout out to checking out this show it means you know i done, I done made some some inroads i didn't get i didn't gain some ground but mo mo most of you guys aren't deciding seeding and there's no there's no there's no real joy that comes from debating eight and five or nine and five versus seven and three or six and seven that's so black and white we don't do that here right you have black and white but we're here to add the color we're here to add the context and that context is shown in the form of a conversation so yes seven and five grambling is the class of the hbcu basketball season at this moment because they have wins that nobody else has they have a win over grambling they have a win over vanderbilt 
right? They have these big time victories over power five schools. And if you're talking about the, the tournament, they have quad two victories, right? And that's the whole complicated situation. I can't really explain right now, but I did learn what it was and I thought it was pretty dope, but I can't, it takes too much time. I'm not about to explain what a quad two victory is. I'm not going to, here's the thing. Overall, I don't judge teams until January. Because now football season is over. They have my undivided attention. All eyes are on basketball season for me, right? But that's when I start passing judgment because you're playing, uh, you playing against conference opponents. But anything you do before is just bonus. We all been in school. You know bonus questions at the end of the test where if you get it wrong, nah, no harm, no foul. But if you get it right, you're going to get extra points. And Grambling has extra points, right? They knocked off Vanderbilt. They knocked off Colorado. And for some reason, we have this thing where if it's if it's not a team or there's this weird thing that people do where we like to act like strength of schedule is irrelevant when it benefits us. Right. When we want to cut somebody some slack or if we want to use it as a detraction for the other team, we don't care about strength of schedule at those moments. But the truth of the matter is strength of schedule is important. Strength of schedule matters and it should be discussed. Right. Let's say you're five and oh, I'm three and two. But the five teams that you knocked off were trash. They're absolutely bad teams. But then the three teams I knocked off were elite level teams. And I did falter two times. It doesn't mean that I'm better than you or it doesn't mean that you're better than me. Your record says you're more successful. My resume says I've been through more. We have to face off to see who's better. But we're here having conversations. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys. This adds the context. So please, let's not act like let's not act like strength of schedule isn't important. So when Grambling knocks off Colorado, when they knock off Vanderbilt, I'ma hold those in different in a different category. So those two less wins that they have, right? It's kind of made up by the fact they knocked off two power five schools. And neither one of those teams can say that. Nobody else can say that. And it's not like that's the only thing they did. In addition to that, they have a lot of other quality wins. You have a couple of mid-major whoopings that they gave out. They knocked off UTSA by 20 points, dealt with them. The second time they played Incarnate Word, it wasn't even close. These are, these are points to prove that it's not just two major victories for Grambling and then the rest of the year. It's just a dud right now. Grambling is, in my opinion, the class of HBCU basketball, 100% the class of the SWAC at this very moment. But they have a really tough test to open up the season. I said it before, and I'll say it again. This is not a take that is set in cement. This is not a take of Grambling will be this, that, and the third. No, at the moment, this is what I think they are. And if they want to prove that they deserve to keep this title, then they got to go knock off Prairie View, who's looking to reclaim the standard that they're used to having under Coach Byron Smith. They have to go knock off Texas Southern, who is consistently good every single year, and it's the reigning SWAC champions. So maybe you think that me saying Grambling is the class of HBCUs is incorrect. I'll accept premature. They'll have a chance this week to prove it. They got to go to Prairie View. They got to go to Texas Southern. It should be fun, and I can't wait to see it, but that's the biggest thing I'm looking at going into the SWAC. Can Grambling continue in state claim to being the class of the HBCU basketball season as we get into February and March.
because that's where they are right now at the beginning of January. And going forward, we're going to be switching gears and we're going to be talking about the MEAC and then also the CIAA, which I believe is the most successful conference in the HBCU landscape right now. Before I get into that, however, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Now, if you are a small business owner, if you're somebody who needs a job, if you're trying to employ or be employed, LinkedIn is the place to be. LinkedIn is the number one place for anybody who wants to get a job, anybody who wants to find workers. They have they have everybody can put up their resume. You can show to your employers that you are qualified and you can go find people who are qualified for you. I like to describe it that way because it goes both ways. It's not just for people who want to get a job. A lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a business owner. I don't need to be on LinkedIn. No, you go there because those people who want a job and put their resume up and you can go get qualified people and not have to waste your time. That's what I like about LinkedIn. So go ahead and use the purple hashtag hiring frame and post your job for free on LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen of the day, don't change the app you're on at this very moment. Go to Locked on Sports, or excuse me, Locked on Today with Peter Bukowski, bringing on all of the local experts to break down the biggest national stories in all of sports. I know he's pretty excited because his Packers got a major victory. My Saints did too, you know what I'm saying? We not really in the playoff running anymore, but... We did get a big victory, and his package did as well, knocking off the Vikings. And he said, fraud alert. So let's see if he's going to break that down on Locked On Sports today. But I want to continue previewing the basketball season in all of our HBCU conferences. The CIAA, to me, is the most successful HBCU conference. They have four teams with double-digit victories. There's one other HBCU around the country that has that. That's how successful they are. They have two teams in the top 25 in Claflin and uh, in, in Virginia Union, right? So you're looking at the leading scorer in the, in the conference with Virginia Union. In my opinion, excuse me, in my opinion, I think they're also the leading, I think he's also the leading candidate for player of the year in the CIAA. And you're just looking at the fact that you have Robert Osborne, who is the leading scorer. You're looking at the second place uh, leader in rebounds, top five in assists. Claflin is second in scoring in the conference, and they average over 80 points. So these are two really dynamic uh, dynamic offenses, excuse me. But then I look at Virginia State, and Virginia State is a team that, at the time I'm recording this, they haven't released the top 25 rankings yet again for this week. They did it on Christmas. They should have done it on New Year's, but they didn't. So maybe by the time that this is released, they have, and you guys can go check it out, and maybe this will be the case. But I think that Virginia State definitely deserves some consideration. They rattled off five victories in a row. They're undefeated in conference play, right, because the CIAA and the SEAC have already started conference play. But these, this is a team that I feel like deserves to be right there in the top 25 with them. Right there with Claflin, right there with Virginia Union. Virginia State should be another team that is considered. At one point, Union was the 13th ranked team in the country. So they've really been on a hot a hot run as far as basketball and football goes. And we're going to be talking about them going throughout the season, I believe. Now, let's go to the MEAC. When you look at the MEAC, the conversation in the MEAC deserves to be started with Norfolk State. They were the turning champions. They're currently first place. They returned their two best players in Joe Bryan Jr. and then also Chris Bankston. And they've been doing great. 
both averaging good a, a solid amount of points, both in double digits. And then also you have a team in which they are, or you can have two players who in, they have, excuse me, I'm sorry. You have two players who both make impact on defense as well, because you look at Bankston, who is the leader in blocks. You look at Brian, who is a leader in steals. So those are things that are great about Norfolk State, and they do really well, and they win a lot of games. The conversation in the MEAG deserves to start with Norfolk State, but y'all better be talking about North Carolina Central. Like, you have to talk about North Carolina Central, because who who allows the most, or excuse me, allows the least points in the in the conference? Who scores the most points in the conference? Both of those answers are, answers are central. That's North Carolina Central. They're the highest scoring team, the least or the most defensive, the least points allowed team, right? That's them. How can you not mention that team when having conversations about the best in the conference? Like, I do think Norfolk has earned the benefit of the doubt, 100%. Best record. They haven't played any conference game, but they, are the best, they have the best record. But North Carolina Central has the stats, man. They're lethal from behind the arc. Right. They don't allow many offensive rebounds. They force a lot of turnovers. They're very safe with the ball. They have everything that you want. And yes, the record doesn't match up because they're playing a lot of power five schools. When you look at when they're playing some of these mid majors, they're still losing some of these games. So I don't want to cut them some slack. And I'm not about to do the whole, well, you're looking good in defeat thing. It's just that those games are closer. And if you can turn some of those close games that are losses into close games that are wins, it doesn't have to turn into blowouts. Just switch those five points to two points in your favor. And you can do that going into conference play. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. That's what I'm looking at when I'm looking at the MEAC. I'm looking at C or excuse me, I'm looking at Norfolk State and then also North Carolina Central kind of flying under the radar because Norfolk has been so good for so long that people might not really discuss them as much. But I think the Eagles need to be in that conversation. And what a year to be if you can win the championship in football and you come back and you win a championship in basketball. But we'll see. That's what they're hoping for in uh, in North Carolina. Norfolk State said, nah, we still kings in here. So we'll see what it's going to be going forward. But going forward on the episode, we're going to be switching gears. We're going to be talking about the independents, right? I think that's the better way to put them. They're the independents and then also the SEAC as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about Tennessee State because Tennessee State has a dynamic backcourt, right? Their guards are really good, lethal at scoring. You have the juniors, right? They're not classification juniors, but you have Junior Clay and Marcus Fitzgerald Jr. So you have the juniors. Clay is the leading scorer in the OVC. He does a lot of good things. You have Fitzgerald Jr., who is top five in scoring in the OVC. So you have two guys who are really dynamic, and we're talking about points per game. So let's look at assist, top five and assist for Clay. But then you have Fitzgerald, who is also top 15 in that stat. So you have two players who are very similar in the sense that they can score at a high clip. They can facilitate the ball, right? I'm sure a lot of times they're facilitating each other, but they can facilitate the ball. And really, they're guards in general because they have, a, I think it's Justin Williams, Another guy, he has 40 assists. Like, they know how to facilitate, and they really do depend on their guards, that trifecta, excuse me, to facilitate the ball and really get that offense flowing. But it's really those two guys. It's the juniors, Junior Clay, Fitzgerald Jr. Those are the players who are going to really keep this engine going and keep this offense flowing. 
And if they're going to make a run at the OVC, because they already have nine victories. So they're on their way to having one of the best seasons that they've had in a while. If they're going to win, you're going to have to be on the back of those guys. You're going to need some help, but you're going to have to be on the back of those guys as well. So another team that's that's not in an HBCU conference, a.k.a. an independent, is North Carolina A&T. Hampton has been terrible. They're 3-11. and We'll see what they can be when the conference starts, but or once they get in the conference play really going. But North Carolina A&T, this is their first year in the CAA, and they have one and one. They won a game, and Duncan Powell has really came on. He's He scored nearly 20 points in the last two games after a really slow start, but now that you've gotten into conference play, now that you've gotten into CAA play, now you're looking at a situation where Duncan Powell has come, uh, come awake. And if that's going to be the case and you pair him with the three other players that are scoring in double digits, now you have an offense that's dangerous. Now you have an offense that is ready to compete in the new conference. So it's just a bunch of things that I'm like really excited about because North Carolina A&T is a new beginning. That's really what it is. It's a new beginning. Even last year with the Big South, it was like, OK, we're putting a closing on the chapter. Or on a book. We started a new book after this. So it's just really exciting to break down what they are. And then you look at the SEAC, right? So you switch gears into the D2 conference again. In the SEAC, they've already started their conference season, like I said. And there's three teams who are sitting at the top of the conference. And that's at five and one. We'll talk about why that's a little bit weird later. But you have Fort Valley State, Kentucky State, and then Lemoyne Owen, who all sit at the top with five wins within the conference. Excuse me. And it's early. I'm not trying to say they're running away with it, but they are at the top with five victories. Everybody else has four. Some of the other ones have four. Some have three and two like Savannah. So it's not as if people are just running away with their division or the conference. It's more of a situation where Norfolk State, or I'm in the, I'm in the last thing. I'm sorry, my head's so off today. But it's more in a situation where LeMoyne, uh, Kentucky State, Fort Valley State, they are all sitting at the top fighting with each other. They haven't all played each other, but they have all played one of the other three, right? If that makes any sense. Um, when you look at Kentucky State, Kentucky State, to me, is the team that's really rolling. They routed off five straight victories, including a victory over Fort Valley State. Like I said, they've all played one of the other three. And they, they're they the hottest of the triumvirate, easily. Easily the hottest. And you have Jay Durrell, who is averaging 18 points a game. And they've only scored under 80 points twice. One of those times, it was 79 points. So that just tells you how good they are and how how prolific they've been. Pretty much all of their games have been conference games, right? So I think they're, they've are played less than 15 games. I think less than 12 games. And six of those games have been conference. So I think at least half of the games that they played this year have been SEAC games. And then you look at Fort Valley State, and they've been going. They did lose to Kentucky State, but they knocked off LeMoyne Owen. So now, you, you know, they kind of got their... I think that game happened first. They didn't get their get back, but they were at least even, right? That's where that one loss comes in. And Kentucky State lost their first conference game to Savannah State. After that, they rattled off five in a row. Um, but, yeah, so you look at Fort Valley State, and they knocked off LeMoyne Owen. And for me, they do a couple of things really well. They get steals, and they shoot the three better in conference play. They weren't really good to start the year. But in conference games, they shot the three much better. And that's important because both steals and shooting threes are equalizers. And I like to talk about equalizers in the sense that, now I ain't talking about Denzel. You know, I can't wait for equalizer three. That should be pretty good. I heard it was in, it was either in, I think it was in Italy. Yeah, I think it was in Italy. Oh, that's going to be good. I almost watched equalizer one again the other day. But that's not, not the point, right? They're equalizers because... 
steals first off even if you're poor on defense you can get steals you can get into transition you can have points off of turnovers and that's exactly what they've done they had they average about six steals a game and they also average about 11 points off of turnovers so that's pretty good you know even if you drove down and got two points every single time that's 12 so i think that's a pretty good rate to have yourself at that means you're effective that means you're getting steals and you're producing off of those steals but then you also have three pointers and that's the big equalizer. If you're getting twos and I'm getting threes, it don't matter if you knock down three threes or excuse me, three twos. If I knock down two threes, we even. So I have to put up less shots or make less shots to get to the same point total. So that's the difference, right? And you look at Lemoyne Owen, who they have 10 wins this, this year. And the reason I said it's kind of weird as far as the top of the SEAC is because according to Lemoyne Owen's website, they're five and two. According to the SEAC, they're five and one. The SEAC doesn't count Morehouse as a conference game. The Moyne Owens website did. So I've seen it where those things don't count as conference games before, but it's kind of up in the air. So that's why I said it's weird, but they do have five victories within the conference and they might have one or two losses, but they all have the same amount of victories in this. But they have 10 wins overall on the season. One of the only, they're actually the only one that I referenced earlier, the only other HBC with 10 victories in a season. So that's what they're doing and... At the big, as the big three goes, LeMoyne hasn't beat anybody. To be fair, they haven't faced Kentucky State. So, actually, Fort Valley State is the only team who has faced both of these opponents. We'll see what they're going to be going forward, but those are the storylines. You look at the Grambling team that's going to be on the top. In my opinion, the, the class of the SWAC, the class of the HBCU basketball landscape on the mid-major level at this moment. We'll see if that continues. You look at the CIAA, who has been very successful with four teams in double-digit victories, two teams in the top 25, and a potential third who could join at any moment. The MEAC is Norfolk State's to lose because they've earned that respect but then also North Carolina Central is putting up a lot of stats that tells you they can hit that switch and turn those close losses into some wins and now it's a different conversation and it's not just Norfolk State it's Norfolk State and North Carolina Central then our independents are doing their things whether that's in a new conference or on the way to having one of their better seasons in recent memory and then the SEAC is three teams up at the top but let's not forget people are right below them it's like them touching right there ain't even no points of separation maybe a slight one could you have a game difference but that's how close the SEAC is right now is you have three teams with five victories so that's our preview as far as NBA or excuse me as, as far as HBCU basketball goes going into the year 2023 we'll be breaking down some of these games the SWAC starts tonight so don't miss it that Grambling versus Prairie View game I was talking about is tonight so I appreciate you making us your first listen of the day every day on your second listen of the day. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports today with Peter Bukowski and the local experts he brings in to break down the national news. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.